got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! We're back for another episode of On the Line, a college basketball podcast. I'm joined by always with my co-host, the birthday boy, the low major, the high major, the mid-major whisperer right now. He's been on fire lately, had a tough day today, but yesterday on his birthday, swept it. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's it's been on fire lately. And, you know, I think I'm going to turn tonight around. I had... FanDuel gave me a little little ten dollar free bet for my birthday. Very nice. Shout out to FanDuel. You know, I downloaded all of them to get all the free play, but I think FanDuel is going to have my business from now on. You know, yeah, I actually, very very I actually touching. Think I'm gonna. I think I'm actually gonna switch over to to uh, FanDuel from a redacted sports book because yeah, I just I want to try something new and I think I want to get some free play. They're very well. customer friendly and uh, FanDuel should sponsor the podcast to be honest. But I, I did turn I did turn it around because I put that that ten dollar free play on a plus four seventy parlay that just cashed Arizona winning their game. So turn it around tonight. But and what uh, was and what was the plus four seventy parlay for the listeners at home? It was it was LaTeX first half, Duke first half, Zona first half, and University of New Orleans first half. All money lines. We love that. We love that. Well, Ben, you know earlier we were talking about you know, how, how you're doing and you, you have a rant for the folks at home. Um, you know, not, not everything's sunshine and rainbows in college basketball. We, we, we don't just focus on the positives of college basketball because we know there's a lot of negatives out there. We understand that. Um, so Ben, it, tell people what's on your mind right now, because you're, you're hot. So this week, it, the news came down that UIC, the university of Illinois, Chicago is going to switch conferences after this year. They're in the horizon right now, and they're going to join the Missouri Valley next year, okay? This happens. This happens in college sports. This happens in college basketball. This happens in college football all the time. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas are going to switch conferences. This happens all the time. The Horizon League decided this week that they are going to ban UIC from the conference tournament. Obviously, the only way UIC is going to have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament is by winning their conference. and. To take this, to take this moment and this opportunity away from these kids in the middle of the season like this is just absolutely ludicrous. It it's sickening, and this is the second time it's happened. 
This is also happened to Stony Brook earlier this year in the American East. They're going to switch conferences after the season as well. American East made the same decision. I don't know where these small conferences get off on this because they think they have these teams in a stranglehold or whatever, but man, it's, it's disappointing to see, especially a team like Stony Brook as dominant as Vermont has been in this conference. Stony Brook has a good basketball team that can score the ball really well. And I would not be surprised at all. If you told me going into the tournament, Stony Brook won their conference tournament and they're in the, they're in the tournament. And that's just, it's just disappointing to take away from these kids. You know, they, they work so hard all over the off season throughout the whole year. And, you know, even teams that struggle throughout the season in these small conferences, they know they have just as big of a chance as any other team when they get to the conference tournament. And so that's what keeps them going on year. That's what keeps them working hard through the struggles. And to take that away from them is absolutely ludicrous. I couldn't agree anymore. You know, I mean, when we think of the, the college athlete right now, we immediately pan to your Caleb Williams, your Olivia Dunn's, your um, Oscar Schwebois, your Johnny Davises. I mean, you, you get the idea. But you and I and, and some of some of the other people who, who really like college sports, uh, our, our first reaction kind of goes to the smaller D1, uh, even D3 schools. And these kids, they don't, they don't like they're in school to, to like go to school. Like they're not, they're not playing sports because they think they can make it to the next level. They're playing sports because they love the game and it's their ticket to a free education. And it's really at the heart of it. It it is the student athlete experience. And again, though, it, it, you know, college athletics, it, it does bring in money, especially at these small schools for basketball. And because it brings in money, you have you have some conference realignment. And if you want to go ahead and as a business, as your conference, say, oh, we want to punish you because of the financial move you made and you left us in a in a bad situation, that's completely fine. But don't punish, don't punish the kids. Like they've they've worked their entire life for this you're taking away a moment that they're never going to forget for the rest of their life and they don't even get the opportunity to compete and that's ultimately all these kids want is the opportunity to compete and like you said that's what we love about the small conference tournaments every single team has equally of a shot and you know you you may not think the main black bears at 5 and 18 and 2 and 10 in the conference are going into the american east conference saying we have just as good of a shot as vermont but they're not looking at that five and 18 because to them, when they go into that conference tournament, they're zero and zero. And that's what it's all about. So I, I completely agree. Taking, taking away the, the chance from Stony Brook and shaking, taking away the chance from uh, UIC. It's, it's ridiculous. And I wish these conferences would grow up, but as we've, you know, been proven this year with COVID and just with conference realignment, these conferences have kind of shown their cards, especially early in the year when they were making teams forfeit conference games because of um, COVID COVID foreclosures. So it, it, it's it's ridiculous, and you know, I, I I wish the NCA would do something about it, but as we've been shown. <laughs> really on the football front, the NCA is kind of just a figment of our imagination. Don't look any, don't look further behind the curtain for that. So yeah, it, it sucks. Yeah, unfortunately, we all know the NCA is probably new to nothing at all, even though if they would step into this kind of situation, they could kind of swing their dick around and dictate what would happen and they could make this right. And, you know, they're the institution that stands for what, 
this is going against. I mean, they stand for the collegiate athlete they're supposed to, but you know, you would like to see an entity like the NCAA or maybe some of the bigger conferences step up for these teams because it's, it's disappointing. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into the LSU game, um, they, they actually won. So we're very excited to talk about it. Let's go ahead and, um, and, and talk about some, some listener questions. We only had, we only had a couple. Um, so again, you can ask questions at, at on the line NCAA and the first the first letter in each of the words is capitalized and NCA is all capitalized. So that's on the line NCA on Twitter. Um, so let's get to the first let, let's let's get to the first question from Cam. Uh, sure y'all are going to discuss it, but give your thoughts on the Collins Wendell Jr. play. Who are and then he also asks who are five players from lesser known teams that least learners should keep their eye on as the season progresses. Well, Cam, we're going to talk about that later. Don't you worry. And he also asked, how about some recruiting actions and some high high school players to watch for? Um, so I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't really know what the Collins Wendell Jr. I assume okay. he's talking about the Duke play tonight. Okay. And it was just yeah. absolutely one of the worst shows of sportsmanship I've ever seen in college basketball. We saw Grayson Allen play for four seasons. I mean, this was immensely, this was even worse than what Grayson Allen did a couple of weeks ago in the NBA. I mean, He had no intention. His arms never even raised. He had absolutely no intention of getting his hand on the basketball, of stopping him from dunking. He went dove in with his shoulder and took him out from below while he was dunking the basketball on a fast break. He was wide open. He was never going to catch him, never going to stop him. And it was just absolutely disgusting. And I mean, I would like to see a suspension handed down of multiple games. I'd like to see a three or four game suspension handed down. That's just, that's one of the worst shows of sportsmanship I've ever seen in college basketball. Did you see he was, uh, he was crying with, uh, with K. Did you see that? Like he, he was crying on K's shoulder and K was acting like it was all okay. I, I don't know, man. Like I, I was kind of on a rant earlier with some friends about this kind of play. I think it's the most dangerous play. In basketball, it's it's one of the most dangerous plays in sports. Um, like if you're going up for a dunk or a layup and you get taken out from under you, like you have absolutely no control of where you're gonna land, and you could potentially land on your face, you can land on your head in the back, you on can land tailbone. on your ass, you can land on your back, your hip. I mean, it is it's the kind of injury that like you're you might not be the same either physically or mentally like it's just i really like worry about like a player's psyche after a play like that because it's i mean there's just no place for that kind of stuff in the game and sometimes it just happens you know like sometimes it just happens both guys are trying i mean he's obviously you're never gonna let the guy just dunk on you without trying to stop him but Usually when that happens, you'll see, you know, their hands get tangled up the top and that's why he loses his momentum and flips over or their feet get tangled, you know, when they're trying to jump or something. This was just he was already all the way in the air and he went under him through his shoulder, never even raised his hands or anything. It was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I I completely agree. I I think sometimes it's it's kind of like a bang, bang play and it's just an unfortunate reaction to to athletes being in the air like that, but this one was clearly intentional and we're going to post that play um, for, for the listeners. So, and onto his 
third question. Uh, how about some recruiting action and some high school players to watch for? I haven't really been keeping too much up with the high school rankings lately. Um, the only thing I, I have been keeping up with is the team that Julian Phillips is on um, because it just, I'm fascinated Ben by these prep schools. And I think during the off season, you and I are going to have to do a complete deep dive on some of these prep schools and basketball academies, because it's just, it's so fascinating to me. Um, so Julian Phillips is a kid that plays for, that's going to play for LSU right now. Um, he's, he's committed, he's committed to, LSU for next year. Um, so he's one of the five stars that LSU has. He's he's from the South Carolina area, but he is currently playing basketball at this school called Link Academy. And Link Academy also has another five star in Jordan Walsh, um, who looks a lot like Charlie Villanueva, if if you remember Charlie Villanueva. And that kid's also disgusting. So I, I've really just been kind of keeping up with like more of the teams and like what teams have been good uh, and a little bit less of the players. But obviously, Mikey Williams has been on everyone's radar for many years. But I'm going to get into kind of like the scouting evaluation portion of players in terms of NBA, as well as like high school players going into the next level in the offseason. That's that's like going to be the offseason content. So we'll definitely touch on that. But what about you, Ben? Yeah, I. I, I have enough trouble keeping up with all the uh, low, low mid-major teams and the players on them to keep up with high school until, you know, they kind of in the year. I'll pay attention to who LSU signs and I'll, you know, I'll scout them out and see what kind of players they're bringing in. But, um, and yeah, D- Julian Phillips has all the makings of a superstar, really. I mean, he's he's got everything you would want in a basketball player. He's got the height, he's got the handle, he has the shot very smooth with the ball in his hands. And so I think LSU has a lot to be excited about next year. Yeah, I completely agree. And on to the next question. Do y'all think Gonzaga needs to go join a tougher conference? Uh, This is from Colin. And so I'd say yes and no. Um, I think the WCC has really started to step up. I think BYU being in the WCC helps. Um, St. Mary's is always a good conference. They recruit great internationally. They produce NBA players Um, like Pepperdine, still a sleeping giant to me. I don't understand how you can't get kids to go to Malibu. San Francisco's really on the up and up. Um, So, I I mean, like I I like the WCC probably more than most people. And I know you do as well, but I kind of was, I was teasing the idea with you the other day about them potentially joining the mountain West I mean, everyone always wants them to join the Pac-12, but I don't, I don't know if that's really so feasible. I think it definitely becomes more feasible in the NIL era, where you have more schools uh, who are going to have that structure of saying we're going to be D1 in lacrosse because we're a really good lacrosse team, like your John Hopkins, or we're going to be D run in uh, sailing or track and field. Um, I could see something similar like that for a Gonzaga where. Maybe maybe they join the Pac-12 exclusively for basketball or the Mountain West exclusively for basketball. But yeah, what, what, what's your thought on this? Because I'm kind of curious how you feel about it. I mean, yeah, if they would have to join the Pac-12, it'd be, it would have to be exclusively for basketball. You know, none of their other sports programs are really going to be able to compete in the Pac-12. And I would like them to join the, the Mountain West, but I mean, why should they switch? <laughs> They're having no trouble getting a number one seat every year. They can play all the 
they can play all the elite teams they want in the non-conference. And they have this year. They played Texas. They played Alabama. They played, who else did they play? They played another really, Duke. I mean, they can play all the elite teams they want. And it at, to this point, it hasn't hurt them enough to where they need to switch, in my opinion. I mean, it seems like they're number one seed almost every single season. And it's not hurting the recruiting either. So I'd say that this is kind of a um, it's like a classic college basketball argument when it comes to Gonzaga. I think in the years where they had like Adam Morrison and some of those earlier Gonzaga teams after him, then, yes, I'd, I'd kind of tend to agree. Like maybe maybe they need a switch to, to up their competition level, but they've proven they've proven they can play with the the best teams in the country and they've also stepped up the non-con scheduling and the recruiting is is getting to a level where they're pretty much even with the dukes and the kentuckys i mean they got chet holmgrim this year who i think is probably one of the 10 best college basketball players period and he's going to be the a top three pick tomorrow i mean the guy's incredible i love chet and then last year they got jalen suggs who was like the fourth overall pick so they're starting to build that brand and I mean, for just pure viewership, I'd like to see them in the Mountain West or in the Pac-12. That being said, I mean, how many more losses does that really give them, Ben? Like, who in the Mountain it West doesn't. this year? Like, who in the Mountain West this year would you say, like, oh, they're definitely beating Gonzaga? Like, maybe, maybe David Roddy goes nuclear. Maybe I mean, no Graham Ek and Hunter Maldonado for for Wyoming go insane. But like. Maybe they get one loss. Like, I mean, no one in the country you're going to say is definitely going to be Gonzaga, but they would have a lot. They would have tougher competition in the Mount West this year. Now, this has been the strongest the Mount West has been in as long as I can remember. So this might be an anomaly, but, you know, they have three other teams in their conference from that have been in the, that are in the top 50 in the net right now. And so in the Pac 12, you only have four that are in the top 50 so it's not like i don't really think and one of them is washington state so i don't think that their their competition would move up that much going into the pac-12 really i mean they would get to play arizona or ucla maybe twice a season which would be really really cool and really fun or usc or something like that but i mean uh, I just don't see any reasoning for them to have to move. I understand they're playing a lot of cupcakes. You know, they'll play the Pepperdines. They'll play some of the worst teams in their conference. are going to be quad four teams. The San Diego's, the Loyola Marymounts, the Pacifics. They're very, very bad basketball teams. But there's just no reasoning for them. Until they're recruiting dips or until they don't get a number one seed, and they go, they only have two or three losses throughout the year, and somehow they don't get a one seed. There's just no reasoning for them to, in my opinion. I think they would have to start like seriously choking in tournament two. Like they've they've been too successful in the tournament of late. Now, obviously, like I, I think everyone at this point is saying the same thing about Gonzaga and and Gonzaga saying it about themselves. It's pretty much national title or bust. Like if they don't win the title this season's considered a failure for them. And I'd say like, they're probably one of two or three teams this year where you can probably say that that's, that's the MO of their team. 
So uh, in, unless they start like losing in the Sweet 16 back-to-back years or you know failing to even reach the Sweet 16, I don't see any reason for them to switch outside of just money and entertainment value, which, I mean, again, we were just talking about how money drives everything. So maybe, maybe they do want to switch because of money. But on to his next question, which is, Do you think LSU works its way back to a three or four seed if they string some more wins together in an upset versus Arkansas and Kentucky? Um, if they beat Arkansas and Kentucky, they're definitely going to be because they're going to be sitting at 24 and seven with. Well, okay. Well, hold on. Hold with on. Hold on. Eight, hold on. With eight quadrant <laughs> one wins. So if they win both of those games, then they will definitely be. Uh, but if so, they if if they win the games they're supposed to, and so Ken Palm has them losing the Kentucky and the Arkansas games and winning the rest of the games, if they end up like that, I think they will be pretty close. You know, you're looking at a a twenty two so, so and nine basketball team, right? I mean, so, you're I mean, gonna have go. you're gonna have six quadrant one wins. You're gonna have. Hopefully you don't lose one of these other bad games. You only have really two bad losses. And so you're going to be right there on the three to four line. I mean, a lot of it depends on what the other teams do as well in their area. You know how Alabama finishes, how some of these other teams finish. But I think it's plausible for sure. You know, does Marquette keep it up? Teams like that. Does Houston drop a couple more games? Does UConn start sliding more? Does Xavier start sliding more? You know, it's really going to Nova. depend on some of these other teams. Yeah, Nova, Michigan State, Tennessee. Those are kind of the other teams that are in this four to six range where I have LSU in the sixth spot right now that, um, you know, they're going to be judged against those kind of teams. But if they handle business, if they win, the games are supposed to the rest of the season. So they have Mississippi State, Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, and – uh Alabama at home on the last game of the season. If they take care of those games, then they should be right there. You know, they should be near the four line, possibly a three if some of these teams slide a little bit more. But their their um their resume is really still impressive. You know, you you would think, man, you know, LSU slipped a lot. They might be middle of the pack now in terms of the tournament. But when you really look at their resume, you know, you have you're five and four in quadrant one. You're four and two in quad two. You're four and one in quad three. You're 16 in the net. Like the committee is going to look at these numbers. and can be very, very impressed. And if you don't concede any more of these quad two, quad three losses, you only have three quad two or worse losses all year. I mean, there's some teams above them that have more than that. And there's a bunch of teams above them. There's only seven teams in the country that have more quadrant one wins than LSU. And you know, it speaks volumes. The numbers numbers talk in terms of when it comes to committee. And what were the quadrant one wins? So definitely Kentucky. Definitely Tennessee. Tennessee. Florida might have been one at Florida. Texas A&M is one right now, I believe. Texas A&M 74. So the road win is one. What about what about the wake? Uh, would would the wake, wake wake would have been one? Let's see. Wake is yeah. Wake is thirty eight, so that's a quadrant one. Ohio okay. is not. Yeah. So I want to say Belmont is actually one of them. 
that one i mean that really mm, wouldn't no me. it's, it's it's a quad two right now it was they were a couple weeks ago they they, they actually cracked the top 30 but i mean so, you have more opportunities so the quadrant one wins ben they they vary throughout the year or is it like yeah because you play them because the uh no i thought that they varied throughout the year but i mean i never even thought about that maybe they do stay the same way but i thought they varied throughout the year it would make more sense in terms of basketball if they buried throughout the year, but you might be right. I, I'm not sure about that, but all I know is a quadrant one win is top 30 at home. It's 50 in a neutral site or it's 75 on the road. Okay. Okay. Would you say that the sec tournament would have anything to do with like their success? The SEC I know- tournament would have a lot to do with it because okay. you're going to have more up. It's going to be neutral site for one. So you're going to have more opportunities to pick up, very good wins you know you're gonna have your arkansas your a&m is in the top what they're in the 70s right now you can see them getting in the top 50 tennessee you know your mississippi state is kind of we're around there right now so there's gonna be a lot more opportunities to get a lot of good wins you're gonna have a shot at kentucky at auburn or auburn if you keep winning and so yeah the sec tournament is gonna be huge i think it's gonna be huge in terms of kentucky staying on this one line too i have them on the one line right now I would also have Kentucky as a one seed. They are, they're humming. So uh, on to Colin, another Colin. Uh, so Colin D is going to ask this question. Um, with Kentucky and Arkansas heating up, is Arben still the clear favorite to win the conference? And Ben, do you want to take this one first? Because I definitely have my thoughts on Auburn, but I'll defer to you. I'm not too worried about Auburn. Um, you know, they still have a uh, one-game lead in the loss column, and they have the tiebreaker over Kentucky. So I'm not I'm not worried about them winning the conference. You know, the sports books will reflect that. I want to say they're still almost minus 350 to win the conference. They really don't have a game that's going to test them outside of at Tennessee. They have A&M, Vandy at home, Ole Miss at home, South Carolina at home, Mississippi State, and Florida on the road. I don't expect any of those teams to really test them all that much. And what about so, the tournament? Yeah, I mean, in the tournament, they can get beat by Kentucky or Tennessee or, I mean, shoot, you don't know how issues will be playing by then. But to win the conference, regular season conference, I feel pretty positive that they're going to finish this thing out. Yeah, I don't see them losing the regular season conference. I think that loss kind of is going to turn things around for them. In the it was it was good for them because they had been slacking up these the last couple of games. You know, they had that close win over Missouri, that close win over Georgia, and their offense just really wasn't where you were expecting it to be. It was kind of getting stuck in Wendell Green's hands, which is... I was, uh, I was just about to say a little too much Wendell Green for me. I mean, the end of the Arkansas game, he was kind of pacing them until he... Uh, he went out. I think he fouled out of the game sometime in overtime, and uh, Jabari kind of took over at the end of the overtime and almost pulled him out too. But he has his moments, you know. He's he's he catches fire pretty easily. Takes only a couple shots, and then he starts shooting it from thirty five feet. And you're like, whoa, chill out. But uh, yeah, the yeah. the ball just started sticking a little a little bit in some of these guys' hands or in KD's hands. KD will take a couple possessions where he thinks he's LeBron James, and he can just take it to the hole at will. And, uh, you know, as long as they just keep sharing the ball, they just have way too many weapons to play that way. They just need to keep sharing the ball. They have so many weapons that they can throw at you. And um, I, I think you're right. I think this loss on the road to Arkansas is going to wake them up. 
Yeah, and also, it's not like it was a bad loss. I mean, it, it would have been one thing if they would have slipped one of those games, like the Georgia or the Missouri, but... They didn't even play badly. Arkansas just played amazing. Yeah, J.D. JD Note. J.D. Note uh, is one of the best players in the country. I I love J.D. Note. He's definitely going to be all SEC. Uh, he deserves it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't see them losing the regular season conference. I, I will say this. Uh, Wendell Green is probably the only player on Auburn who forgets that Jabari Smith is on the team because uh, his confidence is limitless. But on to his next question. Who wins this Saturday, Texas or Baylor? This Texas team is a strange team for in terms of 2022 college basketball. You know, this Texas team is kind of out of the late 2000s or the early 2010s. There's a lot of mid-range jumpers going on. You know, Trey Mitchell is being relied on a lot, kind of an undersized big man. They like to get the ball inside. They like to hit mid-range. They're not a good three-point shooting team. They play extremely physical defense. And uh, the last game they played against Kansas, the refs just let them play rugby down low with David McCormick. I mean, the dude probably was bruised and battered after the game, and they won that game. But, man, it seemed like the refs had a lot to do with it in my eyes. I, I mean, it was a home game, so I guess they get a little bit of the calls. But, man, uh, but – in the tournament, that's going to work. And that's why I've, uh, since the beginning of the season, I've been encouraged by LSU and their defense, even though they're picking up all these fouls. In the tournament, that goes away a little bit. They let you play. They let you rough each other up a little bit. They let you be physical. So, I was I, I was going to say, analytically, like, if you look at Texas and you also just look at the way Texas plays defense, to me, they're – they're like one of my teams where like I'd say a sleeper to like win it all. And like I know that I know that sounds crazy just because of the way they've played at times this year. But when you look at them analytically, they take care of the ball and they play an unbelievable defense. So I, I don't Marcus I mean, Carr would have to step up a lot Mar- for uh, me to see that. Marcus and Carr would have to uh he'd have he, to return to Minnesota, Marcus Carr. He hasn't showed me that yet on offense that he is going should be relied upon. You know, it's been a lot of Timmy Allen. It's been a lot of Trey Mitchell at the end of some of these games. And, uh, you know, just unconventional modern-day basketball, you know, just just a little bit of old-school stuff it down your throat. We're going to get open. I mean, they're running – they ran a pick-and-roll for Timmy Allen at the free throw line the other night. I mean, you just don't see that in this, this day and age of basketball. A, a pick-and-roll at the free throw line for a – 12 foot jumper just just they're getting it done it's just in really different ways and if you watch them it's not pretty but they're, they're putting out results but um and in terms of Baylor I think really Baylor just needs kind of like LSU just needs to get all their guys back and just have a three or four game stretch where they can play with all their guys and they can get going again on in the rhythm and they can just get going again because there's been too many games where they've had a guard out or two guards out or Myers sat or one of their big men sat and it just it's just not being very cohesive right now. And they're still they're still rolling out wins, but it just it hasn't quite looked like the Baylor team that we've come to know and love. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think injuries definitely have a like have something to do with that. They're they're certainly playing a role, but yeah, Baylor's Baylor's kind of got to step it up if they want to 
get some momentum going into the tournament. Right now, I'd probably say Texas Tech and Kansas are both better teams to potentially win, win it all out of the Big 12 and, as opposed to Baylor, which is something that I don't think you and I thought we would be saying uh, at this time of the year. I mean, in terms of the game Saturday, I would take Texas just on the off way the that, just off of momentum. I just think they have more momentum going right now. You know, it's going to be at Baylor, which uh, it's a great crowd in Waco there. But uh, I would I would favor Texas a little in this game. I think it's going to be low scoring, really low scoring. And uh, it's going to be a grinded out kind of game. I think Cryer is questionable for this game. So they'll get one guard back. Um, you know, we'll see if they have the other guys. But I think Baylor, they've done enough on their resume. They're going to be a top three, four seed. They don't enough. They just need to really focus on getting healthy, especially on the perimeter. We're going to go into our low major draft. So last week we did a mid-major draft. And again, those were conferences where maybe you see more than one bid into that NCAA tournament. Uh, ben and I drafted teams from that. We drafted one per conference. This week, we're going to go to the low majors. Uh, so low majors are conferences where it's, pretty much just a one bit lead. Uh, there is, for the most part, you're going to see the team that wins the conference tournament. They're going to go to the NCA tournament, the team that loses the title, or maybe the second best team in the regular season, they'll go to the NIT. And then the third team uh, is going to go to the CBI. So with that being said, also, I think we definitely jumped the gun on saying OVC's a mid-major, but they, they're just really strong this year with Belmont and Murray. So that's Belmont. kind of why... Belmont sniffing the bubble. Yeah, sniffing exactly. the bubble. A, a win against Moorhead tonight. I don't think they're that far off. Obviously, some of these Power Five teams that are on the bubble would have to start losing some games, but I don't think they're that far off at this point. Yeah. So we're just gonna get, we're just gonna jump right into the draft. Um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna pick five teams each. Uh, they can be from any conference, and then after that, we're gonna. We're going to talk about the conferences as a whole. It's going to be a, a quick rapid fire on each of the conferences in terms of identifying teams and players that come March could actually make a huge impact. So, uh, Ben, I'll let you take the first pick. I'm going to take South Dakota State just because in terms of some of these teams, they, they don't have the, the highest floor, but I really think they have the highest ceiling. You know, they can just really get it going offensively, and that's the way a lot of these upsets happen, especially with these lower seeds. I expect South Dakota State to be a 13. The way I see it right now, I don't think there's any slowing down in them. Uh, in the Summit League, you know, they'll they'll have a great game when they play Oral later, but their, their brand of basketball is just really fun to watch, man. I mean, they share the basketball. They shoot a lot of threes. They, It's just constant ball movement, constant ball movement, constant finding the open man, constant dri- driving to the open space. And when there's, when their shot's not falling, you know, they don't keep it going. They, they find other ways to score the basketball. A really well-coached team, and um, I like South Dakota State a lot. I think they'll have a lot of value as a 13 seed. All right, fair. So the first team I'm going to go with, I don't, I don't know if they necessarily have the players to do it. I, I like the guys that they have. I really like Tyson Jolly. I really like Nelly Junior Joseph. Um, but this pick is entirely the coach. Uh, give me, I, give me the Iona Gales and Slick Rick Patino. I mean. 
I can't think of any low major conference with the exception of High Point and Tubby Smith that has a Hall of Fame coach coaching them. So I, I feel obligated to take Slick Rick and the Fighting Gales. Um, you know, their their resume to me is good enough to make it without winning their conference tournament. I know that's kind of a wild take and you're gonna make fun of me, Ben, but they beat Bama, they beat Liberty, they beat Yale, they beat Delaware. Um you know, they beat Harvard early in the year. Obviously, Harvard's not nearly as good, but their losses were to Belmont and Kansas and St. Louis. So, I mean, those were solid losses. Obviously, that loss to Niagara uh, Sunday killed them. But I don't know. I, I just really like this Iona team. I love Rick Patino. So, give me the Gales. The next team I'm going to go with is up in the American East. Give me Vermont. I, I don't really see any team and the American East challenging this Vermont team. And, and that's kind of been the story over the last few years. Um, it's, it's, it's funny though. The one year, like the American East made a name for itself. It was UMBC beating, you know, the one seed. So I, I, I do think Vermont is going to get in. Obviously they're going to have to win their tournament, like all these other teams pretty much, but they're going to be in that 13, 14 line. And depending on the draw, I could easily see them picking up an upset. So give me Vermont. Vermont, for me, has been one of the most impressive low majors in all of college basketball this season. And it's just not the way that they're dominating their competition in the American East. It's how efficient this offense has been. Their, their offensive efficiency right now in Ken Palm is 13th in the entire nation. And it's because, you know, you came into the season, you knew you could count on Ryan Davis. You knew you could count on Ben Shingu. It's these other guys on this team that have really stepped up, man. They, they've been making their open shots. They've been making things happen on the offensive glass. And, you know, you just have to shout out Isaiah Powell and Phil Sullivan, Finn Sullivan and Justin Missoula. Even Aaron Deloney had a 20-pin game last week. And it's just ultimate team basketball right now for them. You know, you have Ryan Davis at 17-6 and six right now. Obviously, a very, very good big man. I don't know how he'd be able to stack up against – you know, your power five really big men who are going to play really physical with them. But a guy like Ben Shingu, who's averaging 16 points right now, he can match up against any guard in America. I truly believe he's got all the athleticism. He's got the shooting. He's got the shot creation. And, um, you know, we talk about you got to have two guys who can really get it done on the offensive end to get some of these upsets. They really do. But the thing that really has pressed me is the other the other guys on this team, man, have just really stepped up. They started making shots this season, and this might go down as one of the best offensive seasons in American East history. High praise, high praise. All right, you got two coming to you. Yeah, I'm going to go with – I think I'm going to go with Chattanooga. Good pick. You know, Chattanooga in the SoCon this year has been just so good, and – you know, they've been slipping a couple times, you know, losing to a really, really, really bad Western Carolina team just didn't do good for them at all. Took another loss to Samford recently, which, you know, Samford has some good players on their team. You know, they have Quez Watkins who can really fill it up, but they just been really good this year on offense specifically, you know, taking the two some teams. They've showed they can play different brands of basketball. They had a 56-54 win over VCU earlier this year. And, uh, you know, they, they've shown they can do it. They took a loss to Belmont and Murray State, who 
I mean, no shame at all to take losses to those kind of teams, but Shad and can, can just really get it done on the offensive side of the floor. They're, they're 45th in adjusted efficiency in the nation, and um, their defense are not too shabby either, hovering around 100. So just, I mean, they're 21-5, and five and they're in these low major conferences, and they played a really good non-conference slate for one of these low conference uh, low conference leagues. So I'll take Shad and as my first team. They probably should be on the 13-14 line. You'll see them. I have the I have them on the 13th line right now, and I think they'd be pretty dangerous for a four seed. You know, definitely don't want to sleep on them at all if you're a four seed heading to that game. Um, and then my other team is probably going to be Toledo. You know, when you looked at this conference this year, you really thought Ohio was going to stand out. You know, Ohio had the the more experienced players, the more experienced coach. You know some of the better scoring options that in the in the uh, in the MAC this year, but Toledo's taken it to them twice. I mean, it's absolutely demolished them at eighteen point win at Ohio. Followed it up with a fifteen point win at home this season. They're sitting nineteen and five for the year. They're forty sixth in offense in the country, and they've just been so surprising. You know, you just almost marked Ohio in is in the tournament, winning the MAC. They started off the season so well, Ohio. You know, they had that win over Belmont. They even came into LSU, played pretty well. But uh, the way Toledo has just dismantled it twice, it's just incredibly impressive. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Toledo. And a conference that has its fair bit of competition, you know, the Ball States and the Bowling Greens, the Miami of Ohio's, they've really only tripped up once against uh, Ball State when Ball State just shot the lights out. And, yeah, I think I'll take Toledo. That's a damn good pick. I was going to take Toledo. So, now I got to – I'm definitely scrambling a little bit here. Um, You know what? I, I mean, I, I'm just going to take them. I don't, I don't know if they're really going to do anything in the tournament, but they probably have my favorite player in the country – and that's the Liberty Flames led by Darius McGee. I I love Darius McGee. He's probably my favorite college basketball player, like I just said. He is only five foot nine, and that's probably being generous. Uh, he's averaging 22 this year on four rebounds and four assists, but he's someone who, like, on any given game, he could probably go for a 40 piece. Like, it's it's not at all out of the realm of the possibility for him to go to four for 40. He's, he's shown it this year in a, you know, 78, 75 win at FGCU went for 48. He's gone for 20. He's been in the high twenties for most of the year. Also went for 41 against Stanford in a loss in the Hawaiian airlines classic. Um, so yeah, give me, give me a Darius McGee. I love their coach. They also defend. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Liberty is going to be my other team. Anything to add about Liberty? I mean, when you have Darius McGee out there, man, um, you can do a lot of things. And there's been other guys on his teams uh, in terms of Brody Peebles who have made some big shots for them this year. And, um, you know, it's going to have to be one of those games if they get an upset in the tournament where they just shoot the lights out. But if you want to count on one of these teams to do it, I, I mean, Liberty's not a bad shot at all, you know. 
just a very talented scorer and Darius McGee involves his teammates really well. They, they run some really good sets to get their shooters open. So uh, yeah, Liberty is going to be a dangerous 14, 15 seed. And then the next team I'm going to go with, I, I, I think this is, this is kind of a long shot for them to do anything, but I still believe that the big South runs to this team. I still think they're definitely going to go to the tournament and I just have a soft spot for big bigs, you know, bigs where it's just like this boy's too big to even be playing out there and give me the winter Eagles. Um, I love DJ Burns. I thought Winthrop was going to get the upset last year in the tournament. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on who they played, but I definitely picked them to get that upset. Um, let me let me try to pull that up. But yeah, I mean, Winthrop, the, the Big South has pretty much always gone through Winthrop. I will say this year, the Longwood Lancers, which is such a fire name, they they've really stepped it up. So they're potentially someone who could prevent Winthrop from getting to the tournament. That being said, I like Winthrop a little bit more if they get to the tournament with their upset potential and just their veteran experience. And shout out to shout out to Kelton Talford. He went for 22 the other night in a big win against Radford. So he's really starting to step up. Um, he's only averaging nine on the year, but they, they have multiple guys who can get in double figures and potentially take over the game. And Patrick Good at guard and Corey Hightower at forward. So I really like them. And my favorite player, DJ Burns Jr., a 6'9", 275-pound forward who should probably be playing center for – South Carolina or something like that, but he has way too good of hands to be playing football. And that's why he's playing basketball. Just a really talented passer, you know, really whips it out on the double team, but just so big and strong kind of got a game like Kenneth Lofton a little bit where he just kind of bullies you in the basket, you know, doesn't really have the height, but he's just throwing around so much weight. It's hard to keep him out of there. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to block someone's shot when you're under the basket because he's just put his ass on you and driven you backwards. So there's really not much you can do at that point. Um, so I, I just, I love Winthrop. Let me, let me find who they played real quick last year though. Cause that's why they played Nova. They lost to Nova 73, 63. Um, Burns had 12, but I remember he, he got in foul trouble because you know, it's the tournament onto your pick. I'm going to go with the New Mexico State Aggies, who I really can't believe you didn't pick, but they've been incredibly impressive this year, uh, led by their leading scorer, Teddy Allen, at almost 20 points a game. You know, they've had other guys throw in some big scoring games. You know, they've had, they have some guys on the outside that can shoot the ball. You know, Sir Shijabari Rice is his name. <laughs> it's uh, If you look at it, man, it says Sir Apostrophe Jabari. Uh, on the broadcast, all I've heard them say is Jabari, so I don't know if they're scared to try to pronounce it, but all they say on the broadcast is Jabari, but he can make some big shots. And, uh, man, man, you look at their schedule this year. They're sitting 20-3. and three. They had a big win over Davidson in their third game of the year. They had a nice win over UC Irvine, who's kind of sputtered out here down the stretch, but was looked like they were going to be a good team earlier this year. A nice win over Loyola Marymount. A nice win over Washington State. And just a team that I just think is dangerous scoring-wise. You know, Tarlington's one of the best defensive teams that no one talks about in the country. Put 75 on them. 
really good uh, Abilene Christian team in their conference, a really good Stephen A. F. Austin team in their conference, really good Grand Canyon team, Seattle team. Yeah, they've really disposed of all of them. They've only had one slip up in conference to Sam Houston State. And um, just a team that has a lot of offensive potential and uh, has has played some of these bigger mid-major teams that we've been talking about. And uh, Washington State has really looked really looked good against them. Oh man, I think my next team. That's your last pick. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to be Cleveland State, a team that I really did not think was going to end up winning their conference, but they've kind of straightened themselves out now. I I really had talked about on a prior pod about Oakland. And, uh, you know, how much they turned their sales around this season from last and looked like they were going to win their conference and pull it out. But um, <clears throat> Cleveland State, after losing to them once, has really turned it around. And now they lead the conference yet again. You know, they, they lost tonight by one point to UIC. So that's going to that's going to put a damper on their plans. But a team that just has a lot of experience, you know, they have, have a lot of upperclassmen on their team. They have a really experienced coach who knows how to get this team out of the horizon. And um, I think they'll end up getting it done over Oakland. And um, man, if Oakland got in, I would like Oakland too, but a conference that has a fair bit of competition and usually produces a pretty worthy team, you know, Cleveland state went on the road to Oklahoma state and lost in overtime. They, they battled Ohio earlier in the year, under 10 points, they battled BYU at BYU, lost by 10 points. So they have some experience over some teams that are going to be tournament worthy or semi-tournament worthy. And uh, you know, they, they haven't they haven't gotten blown out of those games. So they've really hung in there. And uh, I think it's really due to their upperclassmen on their team and their experience coaching. So uh, yeah, Cleveland State's gonna be my last team. I love it. So I'm gonna take a complete flyer. I haven't watched this team a lot, but I think you need guard play to win in March, and that's that's true at the at the mid major, low major levels. So, give me the Wagner Seahawks, who are absolutely running rough shot through the Northeast Conference. They're seventeen and two overall. They have not lost a game in conference. They're thirteen and zero in conference play. They beat. They went into VCU and beat VCU 58-44. Their only losses are to Seton Hall and Penn State, to you know, uh, like big major conference teams. They lost at Seton Hall without their best player in Alex Morales. I, I, I just, I mean, like, do I think that they'll win a tournament game? Probably not. Do I think they're capable of doing it? Absolutely. And I also know for a fact, like, unless Bryant just gets hot, there's no one that can that can hold their jock in, in the Northeast Conference besides Bryant. It's a good so that's pick. That's my last team. Yeah, it's a really good pick. Um, Wagner's just been one of those teams that just is looking unbeatable in their conference this year. Um, I was looking at them, you know, the numbers don't really like them, you know, Ken Palm and stuff like that doesn't really like them, but I think that's more due to their competition not being great in conference, really more than anything. But just their the, competition is like teams in the two hundred and three hundreds. That it's that they play no one. Yeah, but when you watch them, I mean, this is a top one hundred, one hundred twenty-five team in the country. Absolutely, you know? 
when you watch them, you can just tell they're very organized on offense. You know, they're very polished and they're really well coached. So, so I like that pick. Wagner, probably going to be a 14, I would think, maybe a 15. And uh, it's going to depend on the matchup. But uh, I mean, you're right. It's, it's a guard, it's a guard game, and they definitely have a guard who can get it done. Yeah, so Ben and I are now going to go through kind of each of these low major conferences and and give you two or three teams that that we could see winning it, um, and, and we'll pretty much tell you if if Team X comes out of this conference, maybe look at them for in your bracket, maybe look at betting them on the spread or potentially even the money line sprinkle, or we'll just tell you, hey, regardless of who wins in this conference, do not touch them. Um, so, so let's get started here. Uh, and we're going to go to the, my favorite conference, my favorite low major conference, the Atlantic sun. There's a lot of great teams out here. Uh, the, the FGCU Eagles, they're 16 and nine overall. They've, they've kind of struggled in conference this year, only six and five Liberty is 18 and seven overall nine and one in the conference, uh, Jacksonville dolphins who you love to bet on 11 and zero at home this year, 15 and eight overall and seven and four in the conference. And then in the other division, we have the Jacksonville state Gamecocks. They're nine and two in the conference, 16 and eight overall. And then a team that's eight and three in the conference, but only 14 and 11 overall. And the reason they're 14 and 11 overall is because their coach has brass balls and he will play anyone, anywhere, anyhow. And that is, of course, the Bellarmine Knights, who we adore. Because if you don't know about the Bellarmine Knights, um, first of all, I don't know what you're doing. You're living under rock. You need to focus on this great team out in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, they're awesome. But the reason they're awesome is because they don't dribble the ball. Like they, they do not really dribble the ball. And when I say do not, it's like one or two dribbles after a contest on a, on a perimeter three, everything is just passing the ball. It's awesome. And Dylan Pence, a special player. So the fact that he's able to do that within the cohesion of the offense we love it. If you want a really comprehensive preview of the Atlantic Sun and see how off or how on we are on the A Sun, I encourage you to go back to listen to, I think, episode one or episode two of the On the Line a College Basketball podcast before we got mics. So if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything and we'd appreciate it. But yeah, whenever we're talking about someone from this conference being in the tournament, I really think it's only Liberty and Jacksonville State. And it's because of completely different reasons. You know, Liberty can really fill it up. We kind of glossed over them earlier about their shooters. Jacksonville State does it a little bit differently. You know, it's it's defense. It's them being tough. It's uh, Darian Adams, you know, really scoring the basketball, going inside, you know, hitting some shots. But they really do it through physicality. And, um, you know, they might struggle if they, they get a team that has a lot of size on them, but they will never be out-toughed in a game. All these other teams, you know, I like Jacksonville. You know, I like Bellarmine. I really don't see the potential of them in an upset game. The only team, the only team I'd be a little partial to would be FGCU just because Tavian Dunn-Martin is someone where, like, if he's hitting that day, he's going to be shooting it from 30, 40 feet. And there's really not much you can do to stop him. He's he's just like Darius McGee in that in that sense. And I also would would say that Kevin Samuel, their center, being six eleven, a lot of teams, a lot of times these low major teams, 
their only chance is to just go five out because their big men's only like six, seven, six, eight, and they can't really compete inside with with the like you know two three four seed that they're playing so kevin samuel being 6 11 and and just being an absolute force inside someone who's got great post moves and can rebound i think that that could help them potentially if they make it to the tournament the problem is they have to make it there first and you know i don't see liberty really letting that happen it's conference tournament it'll be really fun oh that's me a great conference tournament uh the next conference can be the american east you know we kind of raved over vermont and how much they've trampled through this conference so I, I don't really feel a need to talk about them anymore you know just just an extremely good team and a, a scary scary 13 to 14 seed yeah there's there's no other team in this conference where i would say if they make it you should bet them uh anyone else makes it it's an it's an instant just check the favorite off um i mean umbc's won six in a row but i i mean I don't see them striking magic twice and Stony Brook at 14 and 10. Obviously they can't make it. Um, so yeah. Uh, the next conference we'll go to is the big sky. So the big sky, they pretty, they, they are a, um, they're bloodbath of a conference at the top. So this is gonna be really interesting to see who comes out of it. Um, so yeah. What, what you got on this one? You know, kind of the whole year has been Weaver. Weaver started off really hot and on conference, you know, played some pretty good teams uh, nationally in the mid-major circuit. Did did okay, did pretty well. But, man, it's hard to ignore Montana State now. This is this is 10 straight wins for them. They now have a one-game lead on, on Weaver in the loss column. And uh, it's just complete team basketball for them. They really don't have anyone who's going to stand out to you on the stat sheet. No one's really averaging that many points for them, but they just get it done basketball-wise. Now, saying that, I don't really like their brand of basketball when it comes to getting an upset. You know, I like Weber State's brand of basketball a lot more, honestly, and uh, led by Caleb McHugh and the, the kid from Toronto. You know, they've had two losses in a row to Montana State and Eastern Washington, but I really trust them more out of any of these teams to get out of the conference tournament. And I, I hope they do because I really think they have the best chance out of any of these teams that are potential upset, you know, they, and they've played the biggest teams out of any team. They played Fresno, BYU, Utah state, Washington state, you know, didn't really get close enough to upset those teams, but just the experience of having that game, going, those games under their belt, you know, they beat UMass at UMass. So I, I hope it's Weaver because I actually think Weaver can do some things behind Cabe McEwen, but uh, Montana State's becoming hard to ignore after this Tim game win streak. This is going to be another conference tournament that's going to be really fun because, yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about Weaver, Montana State because they're at the top at, at you know eleven and two and eleven and three in the conference, but you also have Southern Utah, Southern Utah's at, at nine team. and three. You have Northern Colorado at eight and four, and then you have Montana at nine and five. And Northern Colorado, they're only fourteen; they're only thirteen and eleven overall. But when you look at the teams that they played in the non-con to start the year, they played at Texas, lost by thirteen. They played at Cal Baptist, lost by four. At San Jose State, lost by one. At Colorado State, lost by nine. I mean, they they went out there and at played Hawaii, teams. at Arizona. At Washington State, I mean, they put themselves out there, and 
you know, it's going to pay dividends later in the season. Um, and they, the, the thing that about them, that is, is kind of something I look for when I'm just like looking at pure stats as well as analyzing games in terms of upset and upset potential in tournaments is, do you have multiple guys that can score the basketball? If you remember that FGCU team that went on a run, they had multiple guys that could create their own shot and score the basketball. It wasn't even just two. It was three, four. Uh, same thing with Loyola Chicago. If you just play beautiful basketball and you have you know four or five guys who averaged 10 points, you can really get an upset. And and Northern Colorado has that. They have Dylan, Dalen Coots, obviously, who's averaging close to 21 a game, shooting 40% from three. But they also have Matt Johnson and Bodie Herm at guard, uh, both averaging um, 12 a game. And then Drew Drew Christensen is right um, behind him, nearly averaging 12 a game as well. So they have a bunch of different people that can, that can score the ball. They also love the three-point shot, which is the great equalizer in any upset. Yeah, and Southern Utah was actually one of the gambling, uh, gambling darlings early in the year. You know, really keeping it close with some of these teams that they were playing. Got a win over Bowling Green. Got a win over Yale. Kept it really close against Cal. Kept it close for most of the game against St. Mary's. Kind of, kind of lost it towards the end. You know, they've played Michigan. They've played some, some of these bigger teams that, uh, just like you're saying, you know, is gonna pay dividends later. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Southern Utah came out of this conference tournament. And uh, surprise some people. The next conference we're going to look at is going to be the Big South, which we kind of talked about earlier in terms of Winthrop, in terms of Longwood. You know, the only team I'd like to mention other than those teams is this North Carolina AT&T team, just because I just think lately they've been playing a lot better basketball the times that I've watched them. You know, they had this game versus Winthrop recently. They played really, really well. They lost, but they played really, really well. They played Gardner-Webb recently, took another loss, but they've been hanging way better with these teams than they did earlier in the season. And uh, I, I like them. They've never really got blown. They won't, uh, Looking at their schedule, they really only got blown out once uh, in, in conference, and they've played some really good teams in non-conference. They played East Carolina. They played Samford. They played Stanford. They played Wake Forest. They played at Jacksonville. They played at UNCG. So um, I just I just like their players. They're, they're a really tough basketball team. They're really well coached. And um, that's the only other team I look out for. You know, we, we kind of talked about Winthrop and how dominant Long would have been. And um, those would be the teams, if you're actually looking for upsets in your bracket, that I would look towards. If, if you're really any others, these teams came out, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you would want to pick them in your bracket or anything like that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if North Carolina A&T surprised some people in the conference tournament. Moving on to the Big West, and this is a conference where there is really no one that I think you should pick as a potential upset. Um, I mean, L- Long Beach State, like they're they're kind of the favorites to win it, along with Cal State Fullerton or Hawaii. But when you look at what Long Beach State did in their non-con, they went they went to UCLA, lost by twenty one. Okay, you're gonna say that's UCLA, but they went to Murray, almost got forty pieced. Um, they lost to San Diego State by uh, that's twenty five or. Yeah, it's 25 points. Um, like they lost to USC by 11. I, I mean, every time 
they played a legit team, they kind of got housed. So uh, they also played UCLA again because, you know, the Pac-12 just loves to cancel games and they lost that game by 18. So improvement. Um, yeah, I'm not excited about any of these teams. Um, Long Beach State has been honestly surprised. I don't think they were picked to win this conference at the beginning of the year. But uh, I will say one one uh, one note on Long Beach State, home of Joe Hampton, famous of uh, last chance you the basketball season, <laughs> the most talented player on their roster, committed to Penn State out of high school, I believe was a four star or maybe a five star coming out of high school, has really put it together this year and had a successful season. Huh. I tracked him a little bit last year at Long Beach State, really struggled. But, you know, he's been kind of putting it together this year and, and giving them some productive basketball. And Long Beach State's been really surprising. But, you know, you look at their play earlier in the year against some teams that might be tournament teams, they, they're just not going to have the scoring to, to really compete. Agreed. I, I don't see any team in the Big West uh, doing anything. Really, uh, you know, not to bash any conference, but, the big West is very rarely a conference that, that you kind of want to look at for a potential upset. I mean, UC Santa Barbara's had some decent teams that could potentially have pulled off an upset. They didn't. Um, UC Irvine, when they had Mamadou and everyone loved them. They, they didn't get it done or, or did they, D- did they win that year? I think they won one game. Yeah. So actually never mind. I take that back. They did win that game. I apologize, Mamadou. Um, so moving on to, Colonial Athletic Association, where I think it's a little bit of a different story. I, I kind of like four of these teams, really. I mean, this Delaware team's been really impressive home team in conference. Hofstra was the one that you heard about early in the year who got some really good wins over some big name uh, non conference teams. They took Houston to overtime, they kept it close way. Yona lost by two to Maryland was really close to Richmond. Their big win, obviously, was over Arkansas, and they followed that up with a win at Monmouth. And, um, you know, I think people really thought that they were going to win this conference, but it's been more of it's been more of a struggle for them really here, and it, it's looking like it's going to be UNCW or Towson, in my opinion. And uh, I think UNCW has the best team. Now they've been – kind of inconsistent here lately, not playing their best basketball. Towson's been looking good. I would say Towson would have a shot sitting at 18 and seven now. And then the fourth team I would include in there is just Delaware, just because I don't know, whenever you watch this Delaware team, it just seems like they know what they're doing. They play great team basketball. You know, they really, they really pass it around. They don't have any guy who's really going to stand out in terms of scoring they're led by Dylan Painter, the 6'10 senior. They have the card play and they have the the size. And so I would include them in there. And they've just been so good at home. I wonder how that translates to the conference tournament. But, uh, yeah, I can see those four teams really coming out of this conference. And, I mean, they're probably going to be a 14, 15 in there. But, I think that'd be one of those better teams on that line. Sorry, I was looking up Towson because if you remember in 2010, 2011, Towson didn't win a game for like two whole years. I don't, do you remember that? 
Yeah. Uh, so, no. so like, yeah, Towson was terrible, like absolutely terrible. They did not win a game for legit two whole years. Like I, they, I think they were like, oh, and 32. And then the next year they, they fired their coach and they went one and 31. Uh, the guy who went one, one and 31, he's still the coach, uh, Pat Scary. So he inherited a program that I think that year before they did not win a single game. And then he went ahead and has kind of turned the program around. Um, and, and that's that's really impressive because, again, like we said, at these low major schools, you don't have a lot of funding. So that's really that's really like grassroots movements in terms of recruiting, in terms of X's and O's. Like everything is is just very dependent on like the coach as well as, you know, the buzzword of the week, cult, the culture of that program. So I just want to give a shout out to Pat Scary and the Towson Tigers. Um, I really, want to say really last year, test. last year they only won a handful of games, and so to turn it around and they're sitting at 18 wins right now is very impressive. Yeah, he just he just likes doing that. Um, he went four and 14 last year, and so now he's 17 and seven. And uh, in 18, 19, he went 10 and 22. The next year he went 19 and 13. So that's kind of his mo, which is very weird, but good for him. I really hope they can make the tournament. That would be a that would be a monumental thing for Towson. Yeah, the next the next conference is gonna be the Horizon League, which we kind of talked about earlier with uh, Cleveland State and Oakland to some extent. The one team we didn't mention was Wright State, who's uh, sitting at twelve and four in conference right now. Uh, I could see them winning this conference tournament, but I don't know how excited I would like to see them be in the NCAA tournament. You know, they did beat NC State on the road this year had their shots at Purdue and George Washington and James Madison and Long Beach State and those kind of teams didn't really get it done any of those games. But uh they've been they've been really good in conference play this year and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they won the conference but I'd much rather like to see Cleveland State or Oakland. I just think the way they play is more suited to you know getting a big win in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if I've told you this. I think Detroit is going to ruin this party. I, I really think Detroit's going to go on a run in the conference tournament, and this is going to be this is going to be a serious bid steal from Detroit, and it's going to entirely fall on Antonio David Antoine Davis. I mean, it's entirely falling on him. Uh, he's he's one of the best scorers in the country, and this team definitely goes as he goes. They're seven and four in the conference. They're ten and eleven overall, but they're ten and eleven overall because they played a brutal an absolutely brutal non-con they opened up at wyoming and everyone out on this pod knows how much we love wyoming at toledo at mississippi state at louisville at hofstra at northeastern which is a horrible loss at uip at iupi i mean they had jesus they had nine ten road games to start the year so uh, the fact that like after that rough start, they've kind of weathered the storm and to be where they are in conference play speaks volumes to the kind of player that Antoine Davis is. And I fully expect him to carry this team to March. Yeah, the next conference is going to be the Ivy League where it's looking like Yale's probably the best team right now. And I, in my eyes, they have by far the best player. And that's going to be as R. Swain. You know, looking at 19 points a game right now, 40% from the field. The gamer, he really, is, I mean, I've been aware of him for a couple of years. He's a, he's an older guy. He's a senior. The gamer, he really stuck out to me this year was their uh, 
their game at Vermont, and we've been talking about Vermont a lot. No one else had it going in this game. Really took all the big shots, and uh, they they ended up losing by eight points, but that was mostly free throws. They were really in it the whole game. It was a two, three-point game all the way down the stretch to the final minutes. He ended up having 22 points, and uh, just, just a great scorer, a great player. He's a great leader. He had 37 points in a game against Columbia this year, 34 against Iona. And uh, the kid's just not afraid to take big shots. And, uh, you know, I don't really know if the team around him is enough to really get it done. I, I don't think that they really have the size to compete if they would play a Kansas or a Purdue or a Baylor or anything like that. If they're going to be a 15 or 14 they're definitely going to be pretty low, and I just don't know if they have the size to compete with some of those teams. But, man, if, if they face a team that's kind of smaller like them, I mean, Swain, Swain can take over a basketball game. I saw it I saw it in that Vermont gym earlier this year. He can do it. Yeah, well, the next conference we're going to go to is the MAC, also known as the Metro Atlantic American Athletic Conference. Uh, I, I, I always forget if it's an American or athletic. I think it's Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. But the only team in this that I would really fear come March would be the Iona Gales. They were obviously the team I picked. I mean, there's not really much to say outside of Tyson Jolly Jolly, um, Junior Jolly. No, no, that's Nelly. I'm sorry. Nelly. I got Tyson Jolly and and Nelly Jr. Joseph, you got to clip Nelly this. Jr. Joseph. Yeah, I got them confused. You got to clip the fuck out of that. Um, the only team stint. I would like to mention would be Monmouth just because they were kind of darlings early in the year, beating some bigger conference teams. But, man, they've gotten in the conference play and just really kind of struggled. And uh, this is definitely looking like Iona's to come out of this uh, conference. And, you know, Iona played some big games this year and did really, really well. So I'd, I'd be scared of them if I was a four seed and getting matched up against Iona. Yeah. Moving on to the Mac, the normal Mac, we have pretty much it's Toledo or Ohio to me. I, I know Akron and Kent are kind of playing good ball right now, but in terms of come March teams that I could see making an impact, I, I have to go with Ohio and Toledo right off the bat. I agree. I, I don't think there's much else to say about that. I, I don't trust any of these other teams to play enough offense, really. And uh, I like Toledo right now. You know, they're tied in the in the loss column. Toledo it's just beat their ass twice. It's been very, very impressive over an experienced Ohio team. That uh, I mean, I think that we all really liked going into the season with Ben Vanderpolis and some of their guards that they have. Yeah, Mark Sears. Mark, Mark Sears has really stepped up this year. Uh, the next one is going to be the MEAC with, I mean, you're looking at Norfolk State. And that's I would, it. <laughs> I would like to mention North Carolina Central, a team that uh, that can get it done every, you know, night to night. They're, they're kind of up and down, but they can get it done. But Norfolk is actually a very good team. Not just a very good team in the MEAC. I, I really have been impressed by Norfolk this year. You know, they beat Bowling Green. They beat UNCW, who we talked about earlier. And I actually really like them as a team. I think they're actually really, really well coached. And uh, I just really like their how they play basketball. They, they share the basketball. They play really, really good team defense. And, uh, you know, Norfolk has kind of been a, a name to watch. 
in tournaments of the past years. And I, I think this would be one of those years where you want to keep your eye on Norfolk. Sorry, Missy fans. On to the Northeast Conference, also known as the Neck. Let the band play Neck. Um, and this is pretty much a Wagner Bryant Bulldog show. Um, there's there's not a lot of depth in this conference. No, I don't trust any of these other teams in this conference. I will say Mount, Mount St. Mary's is very good against the spread team. Thank you for that, Kit. On Next to conference, the Patriot League. Patriot League. I, I, can we just talk? Do we just talk for a second about what the Patriot League did last year in um in in the COVID season? Because they essentially assigned pods and teams played the same teams like three or four times throughout the year. I think uh, like Col- Colgate and Loyola Maryland were the teams at the end, and I want to say they played the same team three times uh, before the before the actual. Um, tournament so it, they you got no exposure but this conference pretty much is going to run through Colgate or Navy uh, Boston U's not bad but, but they've been pretty average in conference play uh, you definitely know the Patriot League better than me so I'll let you take it yeah it's the only team that I would get excited about would really be Colgate you know, Navy has a, uh, some good scorers in this team. Colgate can just shoot the ball pretty well um, for a low mid-major team. And uh, Colgate. They're, in the, they're in the top 100, actually, in the country and adjusted offense on Ken Palm. But, um, you know, Navy is more of a defensive team, and they kind of rely on their leading guard to score. I'd be more excited about Colgate just because of their shooting potential. Yeah, and also Colgate definitely fits – you know, the MO of the team I was referring to earlier in terms of, you know, just having five guys on the court that can all score and are just moving the basketball well, you know, very reminiscent of Loyola Chicago, but they're just kind of really not at that level. I will say Nelly Cummings, he's he's the kind of player that could potentially go for a 25 or a 30 piece in March and really lead an upset. They were extremely competitive last March, um, I refreshed my memory on who they played. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, Tucker Rich. It was Arkansas. I think it was Arkansas, and they, I mean they were right there with them. Um, and and Tucker Richardson, he's someone that can really get get going in terms of, terms of the three point line. He's not having his best year from there, but he can really get hot in a flash. So I, I like this Colgate team a lot, but they're pretty much the only team besides Navy that I would even remotely consider touching on the spread the next conference is going to be the socon actually one of my favorite conferences that i like to follow i i like a lot of these programs and in, in the past one of these vmi was a team i used to fade consistently but they've really turned it around this year really playing some good offense you know we talked about chattanooga earlier and it does look clear that they're the best team in the conference at this point. But I think if one of these other teams upset them, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world just because I think they can win a game, albeit in plenty of different ways than Chattanooga. You know, Furman is going to be, they're going to have to get hot on offense and really play good offensively. And they're going to have to, you know, they lost Alex Hunter. Uh, no, they didn't use Alex Hunter. Alex Hunter's still there, but his stats have just gone down. You know, I haven't really noticed him as much this year. But uh, a team like UNCG is interesting 
just because they play really, really great defense and uh, can really lock you up. Even a team like Mercer or Wofford still has some dudes who can just shoot and get hot. And uh, I'd also just like to mention East Tennessee State just because East Tennessee State has two guys in uh, Justin King and in LeBron Brewer, Ladarius Brewer, excuse me, who, you know, we talk about you need to have two dudes. These guys can get buckets, and they have consistently in SoCon. They've really scored the ball really well. They just beat Furman on the road. And, uh, you know, we talk about Murray a lot. East Tennessee State beat Murray this year. And they also uh, beat Missouri State, who's another team that we talk about a lot. Yeah, that's another team we talk about a lot. And they also Moorhead beat State Moorhead as well. State this year. They beat Georgia, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a team I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if made a run in the conference tournament, and I wouldn't be disappointed in seeing in the NCAA tournament. I just think that whenever you have two guys who can really score the basketball, you have a shot. But uh, kind of a deep conference, I would say, in terms of teams that I would enjoy watching in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'd say for just marketing uh, the tournament, like the conference tournaments and watchability, to me, if I were to say, you know, no rankings, three that you you really should focus on, I'd say the Atlantic Sun. I would say the SoCon and... We'll be your third. Because I'm, I'm like those are the two that immediately jump out to me. I guess the horizon, just because there's probably five teams I could see being really competitive in that tournament. And also the Antoine Davis factor is always, always out there, which is exciting. Moving on to the Southland, which I've paid really, really close attention to this year. I think it's because they have three Louisiana teams who are really good, and I'm not even counting. McNeese State or Northwestern State, but uh, man, it's it's hard not to love this UNO basketball team led by Derek St. Hilaire. I really think the New Orleans community has actually started to notice them this year because of the brand of basketball they're playing. They're scoring a lot of points. Derek, Derek St. Hilaire is one of the best scorers in the country, not in mid-major, not in the South, in the country. The kid is relentless towards the rack. And he just gets it done. You know, he played his first couple of years at Jacksonville State and ended up finding his way down to, to UNO. Not shooting three ball as well this year, but still 36% on almost six threes a game. That's that's really a good volume-wise. He's shooting 46% from the field, 81% from the free throw line. The kid, whenever you watch him, he's just relentless. He's just relentless with the basketball. Always finds a way to score. And um, I would love to see this UNO team. You know, it's a, probably going to be a 15 maybe a 16. I have them sitting at 16 right now, but that's because I don't have any upsets in the conference tournament, but talking about conference tournaments, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, This is one of those leagues kind of like the summit league. There's just a ton of scoring in this conference, just a ton of scoring a bunch of these teams to score the basketball, even the bad ones, even incarnate word and Houston Baptist, who I view as some of the worst teams in this conference can just flat out score the basketball. A&M Corpus Christi is really fun. Southeastern's really fun. Nichols is really fun. You know, just just really good scoring in this league night to night. And uh, but I hope it's you and out just because of Derek St. Hilaire. She should be the player of the conference in this league. And uh, I view him as one of the best scorers in the country. 
I love it. That's that'll be music to my parents' ears right there. On to the swack. Who you got in the swack, Ben? I mean, I mean, I would love to see Southern obviously just just be in here in Baton Rouge, and uh, you know the, the Baton Rouge community has taken notice of Southern how well they're doing in men's and women's this year, and uh, they're they're just really solid in the swack. The other team I'd like to mention would be Texas Southern, led by a familiar face to LSU fans, Johnny Jones, a team that really, really locks up defensively. But I'm just not sure they could score enough to get it done. They did have a big win over Florida this year. But, um, you know, I just can't see them scoring enough points to win versus a really good tournament team. Yeah, uh, the only other team I would throw out there is is Texas Southern, just because they definitely have the talent behind them, and they, you know, they've they've played the big dogs this year. They played at North Carolina State. They lost that one by eight. They played at BYU, at Louisiana Tech. They played at Florida and won. Um, you know, at at Oregon, at St. Mary's, at Washington. They played a gauntlet of a schedule and they're really not a scared. They're not scared of anyone. They've been pretty solid in conference after a slow start. So uh, look at look at them for a team in terms of like coming into form that, you know, hey, 16-1. We love to see it. But on to Summit League. The Summit which League. is You're- one of the most entertaining basketball conferences in all of America. Talk about scoring. If you like scoring the basketball, this is the league to watch. Led by South Dakota State, led by Oral Robertson, Max Abmus. Just just so much scoring in this conference. I mean, all of these teams can get 90 every single night, it seems like. And uh, teams like Kansas City are just fun to watch. Western Illinois are fun to watch. The problem is way too many of these teams, their variances are just way up and way down. Their ceilings and floors just night to night are just obnoxious i mean especially when i think about western illinois it seems like there's been games this year where they reached 90 and games this year where somehow they're being held to less than 70 points and it's just it's just strange but i mean you have to look at the big dogs in this conference you have to look at south dakota state just the way they've dominated this year offensively and then there's just no way you can look past or roberts just because they have the best player in the conference and He's still getting it done this year. I mean, just a pedestrian, a pedestrian 23 points a game, and he's shooting 88% from the free throw line, 42% from three. I mean, that's just obnoxious. I, I can't wait for uh, fans to realize that Max Abe, Abe Smith is still in, in college basketball. Oh, it's going to be incredible. They're going to turn on, uh, you know, a Saturday, the Saturday Summit Championship game, and it's going to be – uh, the South Dakota State, the South Dakota State um, Jackrabbits, led by Douglas Wilson, going against Mac, Max Davis and the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles. Golden Eagles. So I mean, it's 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 going to be beautiful. Yeah that that'll be a game to watch for sure. The the um, the conference title game. You know, they played once this year. South Dakota State beat them eighty two to seventy six. They play again on the second to last game of the season, so we'll see them twice before the tournament, hopefully. Moving on to 
We got the Sun Belt. This is Sun Belt. Um, this is a conference where you know, I, I mean, this conference is is not as something. good as I thought it would be this year. It's a little bit down. There's no really teams I'm excited about. You know, I kind of wrote in App App State into my bracket of who's going to win this conference. But coming into the conference season, I was really excited about Troy and Texas State. I thought Texas State was going to run away with it. I thought Texas State would be like a 23 and 7, 25 and 7 team that like is looking at the 13, 14 seed. And they just were not that this year at all. No, they just haven't been that. I mean, Troy and Texas State only have three losses, but some of their performances in conference have just not inspired me. You know, Troy had a 20 point loss to South Alabama at home. I mean, just not the kind of stuff you want to be looking at of a conference champion who, you know, you're looking at in your bracket is probably a 15, 16 seed that you think can, you know, cover the spread or maybe spring the upset. So, None of these th- none of these teams in the Sun Belt really do it for me. Yep. And last but certainly not least, because this conference, this is probably up there. This would be my third conference tournament that I would really that I would really want to focus in on watch. And it's the WAC. The WAC, it is loaded this year. It is absolutely loaded. Um, I will say the bottom of the WAC is extremely bad. Well, you know, <laughs> look, if you're going to have, if you're going to have, uh, it might be you know, the three worst team, three of the worst teams in division one at the bottom of this conference in Lamar, Rio Grande Valley and Chicago state. Well, if you're going to have six teams with at least 15 wins, you're going to need some teams for them to beat up on. So I, I respect Lamar and uh, UT Rio Grande Valley getting uh, propped up Lamar as well as Chicago sitting at- state. Two and twenty-one. Yeah, well, you know, someone's someone's got to do it, right? So, but obviously, it it starts with New Mexico State. The Aggies are they're as good as a low major conference team can be. Really, they're led by Teddy Allen, who you know he started his career at West Virginia, solid player for West Virginia, and Bob Huggins went to Nebraska. And, and now he's, he's found his way out West in New Mexico state. And he's really, he's, I mean, it's pretty much the culmination of, of four or five years of this college experience. And I, I would not be surprised at all if, if he's pulling off a major upset come March. Yeah. The other team I really have liked in this conference all year would be Seattle university, the Red Hawks, you know, led by their scoring tandem of Darian Trammell and Cameron Tyson, Cameron Tyson coming over from Houston last year, uh, you know, Trammell is just flat out one of the best offensive players in this conference in my eyes, and Tyson is right there with him. You know, Tyson's looking at 41% from three this year, 43% from the field, and 85% from the free throw line. That's really incredible, and they can just score, it seems like, in every single game they play in this conference that actually has some really, really good defensive teams. You know, uh, Grand Valley is a really good defensive team. Stephen F. Austin's a great defensive team. Tarlington's an incredible defensive team. Abilene's a really good defensive team. And, you know, they've consistently gotten in the 70s on some of these teams. And, uh, you know, it didn't go the way they wanted last week against uh, New Mexico State. And I do think New Mexico State is better at this point. But uh, 
again, uh, Seattle, if they got in, I wouldn't be too disappointed. You know, I feel like they can play some really good basketball. And we, I'd be remiss if we talked about the whack without mentioning the grand, the grand Canyon antelopes led by Javon Blackshear jr. Um, you know, he's averaging 17 a game this year on while shooting 40% from three, he's averaging, he's averaging five and a half attempts from behind the arc. He's definitely someone that's streaky though. Um, you know, like the antelopes kind of go as he goes. Um, he's, he, he's a little Kobe. He, he's a little Kobe esque. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, three of 17, two nights ago against Cal Baptist. Um, but then he also goes 10 of 20 against Seattle gets a huge win with, with a 26 point piece. So, um, you know, and then obviously in the game, they lost to New Mexico state by 10, he goes three of 15. So the antelopes definitely go as Blackshear goes, but there's someone that, that, um, could, could, you know, potentially crash the party in the whack, but also crash the party as a 15 seed. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I will say about Grand Canyon, I've been really disappointed in their performances away from home this year. You know, can you blame them? I know, but a really great basketball environment they have built there, and uh, the fans really get into it. They pack the arena, but yeah, just five and four away from home is not what you want to see out of a a team that's battle tested. You know, New Mexico State is kind of what you want to see with eight and one on the road this year. And uh, I really think Grand Canyon does have all the talent, but I, I got to see more when they play away from their home stadium. Agreed. Um, so, Ben, I wanted to try something new on the show uh, to, to kind of end it, to kind of close the night off. I wanted you to tell me what was your favorite thing you saw in the week of college basketball this week? What was your, what was your favorite thing? My favorite thing was Wyoming week. Wyoming played four games in eight days. Three of them were quad one wins. The other one was a quad two win against Utah State at home. Just incredibly clutch in all of these games. The Boise game, incredibly clutch. The Utah State game goes into overtime, incredibly clutch. Two of my favorite players in America, and Graham Ike and Hunter Maldonado. This team just always seems to get it done at the end. Jeffries is a great shooter from three. You know, they fought through the last game and getting their coach ejected at the end, or at the beginning of the game, excuse me, in the first two or three minutes because their big men got in foul trouble on just some ridiculous fouls. So you see Efton Reed get called on some of that. <laughs> and uh, he just couldn't handle it. The coach couldn't handle it. You know, he gets thrown out after the game. Uh, you know, the players all stick up for him. They're like, we knew exactly what he was doing. He was standing up for us. Really impressed with Coach Linder this year. Just seems like he has this team. He has the attention of his team, and they're really following his lead. You know, he he seems to be a really courageous and great leader. You know, they've really rallied behind this kid who has a uh, cancer. Who that he's been really involved with the program. This just seems like a special team in Laramie this year. It just really does. It just seems like this team is headed for some great things this year and, and a tournament win in my eyes. I mean, they play great defense, yet they play great offense. 
it's team-based offense, but they also have two guys who are just incredibly dominant and who can score 30 any single night and who have scored 30 on the majority of nights. And Graham E.K. can hold up against any big man in America. And Hunter Maldonado is a mismatch nightmare. It's just a, one of my favorite teams, the Wyoming Cowboys. And I don't know why they were forced into playing four games in eight days, but the fact they won all of them and all of them against high-class teams in the um, in the Mountain West, which is incredibly impressive. I love that. My favorite thing that I saw this week, it's got to be the Arkansas win. I just, you know, as much as I love my small majors and my mid-majors, there's something about, like, just, just the big-time upsets – and, and I get that, that that wasn't like that big of an upset for Arkansas to beat Auburn. Obviously, you know, that's not really like the classic upset, but it's it's an upset against the number one team in the country. Your fans are, you know, just going absolutely nuts. You have Musselman in the slink. Of course, the shirt comes off from Musselman because the they won. Um, and then, you know, the play at the end where the player does the alley-oop to himself, he dunks it, the lights go off, and people just storm the court. It was it was complete and utter chaos, and it's it's everything I love about college basketball. It's why I think it's the best sport in America. And, you know, I, I get, like, a lot of people don't like college basketball, but Ben and I are, are here to tell you why we like college basketball week in and week out, and, and we, we just – we just hope that people kind of, you know, find the small joys of, it, of this ridiculous sport. Uh, you know, like like SMU beating Houston and George W. Bush just throwing up a, a, a W, just just literally just throwing up a W on the sidelines. I, I, I love the sport. So I, I wanted to I wanted to give us some time to, to just reflect on the weekend. Uh, that's going to kind of be a routine thing going forward. Anything yeah. else? Yeah, the thing I took from that game was that was just a JT Note statement game. Um, he was just staking his claim. Jabari Smith's on the court. Katie Johnson's on the court. Wendell Green, Walker Kessler's on the court. I'm the best player on this court. I'm going to get it done consistently. I'm going to make the big shots. And he's one of the, hey, right now, he's on my SEC first team for sure. And I think he's trending towards being one of the best players in America. I could see him making it on an All-American list this year, the way he's playing, if he keeps continuing this throughout February and into March. Appreciate you listening. Uh, you know, like, subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff. Uh, share, really, that's that's honestly the best way, just word of mouth. We really appreciate it. And again, um, we're at on the line NCA on Twitter. So, you know, give us a follow. We ask for questions every time we're about to record. Uh, we love listener feedback, positive and negative. And, you know, we're just we're just trying to get more engagement, trying to really grow the excitement of college basketball because it's a fun sport and um, we love it. And also we're trying to make some money on it, too. So we're going to do a little gambling segment probably Friday night. Um, it's going to be a little rapid fire on some games that we're handicapping and some games that we're previewing Saturday. Um, and also we're going to take a little look at some futures, too. So stick around for that. Uh, that's going to probably drop on the on the TL uh, Saturday morning before the games. So appreciate it as always. See you.